0: Hey Class, Prof. JC here and uh, this week we're looking at this concept of duty and how duty helps us to live a life of integrity, how a commitment to something greater than ourselves, something bigger than, uh, than ourselves, something that requires us to get up every single day and go after it even when we're tired, when we're exhausted, when life is moving against us, we still move after that thing. And when we have that thing, it helps us to live within what we call integrity. And again, remember, when we talk about this idea of integrity, what we're talking about is wholeness, completeness, wholeness, completeness. It's not a good or bad thing. It's not a, you know, hey, so-and-so has integrity, so they're good. So-and-so doesn't have integrity, so they're bad so-and-so is nice to me that means that they have integrity so-and-so is a trustworthy person that means that no no no. it just means to be a whole or complete person to show up as you are to show up with your full self and there are many aspects that bring us around to this life of integrity but duty is one of the most important aspects that we can be probably one of the most important aspects that that it almost forces us to live within integrity. And this idea of a commitment to something larger than ourselves keeps us moving in a direction that uh, really has the power to keep us on the straight and narrow. Now, I'm talking to most of you on this call, most of you are going to have great lives. Uh, over a period of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? And I guess I'm right now, I'm thinking about our students who are in their 20s. If you, you know, you're getting this master's degree in leadership, you're going to find a career, you already have a career, whatever it is. And so you'll, you'll take a life, hopefully, this is my hope for most of you. And this is how most of you will probably live. And you will find a job, a career, whatever it is, and you will Slowly, but surely, you'll be on an upward path, an upward trajectory. And you'll get to age 65, 70, 75, 80. And you'll put your career aside. You'll move into family, you know, whatever it is. You will have a good life. The reason why this class is so important to me is because I have seen the opposite. I have seen very talented people who started in their 20s and oftentimes it's the ones who take off like a rocket ship and instead of doing kind of steady and compounding um growth over decades well, what happens is they take off in 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 5 to 10 years and a lot of times what happens is because they're not living their full and complete self the real self comes out down the road it's not that it's not that you know somebody might say well that's a bad person right they either have an affair uh and it and, and it costs them everything they either um you know they you know they yeah they get to a certain point and i just saw this with a, a friend of mine he's about four or five years older than i am and he quit his job quit everything I mean, he, and, and he was at the top of his game the top of his game in his field quit everything and now he kind of blogs and he's talking about this journey of trying to find himself, right? So he kind of, in his late 40s, early 50s, he just petered out, right? He's he's no longer doing the thing that everyone thought he was going to do. And so people are looking at that and saying, ah, you know, not a good person. You know, ah, that's the dangers of, you know, the midlife crisis, whatever. But really what happens is integrity always wins out right and so you're on this upward path for these kind of people you're on this upward path and especially if they you know if they come out of college and graduate school whatever it is and they take off like a rocket oftentimes they take off like a rocket because they're being someone that's not who they are and so when integrity kicks in because at some point it kicks in you stop worrying about what other people think and you say i want to live life honestly and live life for me to everyone else it looks like a scandal to you it's just moving into integrity okay but here's the deal i don't want that for anyone because that means that there's a whole shift and there are people that suffer consequences when people do this right even when someone is legit finding themselves that integrity that you know that they decide to live in when they're 45 50 55 years of age it costs everybody else around them and so i would say early on in your career figure out who you are and be that that's the that's the reason why we do these 3 unit classes this is what i'm so passionate about and if you've been with me before you've heard me talk about the PV PVM the principles values purpose vision mission all of this is so important right and in this class here in just a couple of weeks we're going to get into principles all of this is so important is so that you're not that person that all of a sudden begins to live in integrity when you're 50 but it costs you almost everything live in integrity now right start now figuring out who you are so at that at that certain age there's not this midlife crisis because i think what midlife crisis is when i hear people say it cuz i'm at that stage now i'm not going through it because i am living my purpose i'm i'm i feel blessed and grateful and lucky to be able to do what i do but i know of people who go through this and I don't think it's, you know, I've talked to some people who've gone through it, and it's never that they woke up one day and, and they wanted to buy the sports car or they wanted to leave their spouse or they wanted to find a new career and blow up their old career, whatever it is, and, you know, go go open a bike shop somewhere that makes them $30,000 a year when they were making $250,000, $300,000 a year. That's not, you know, it's not that these are bad people. What they wake up and realize is that everything that I've been living for was not the truth. And so I would submit, again, what we're talking about today, living a life of duty, finding that duty early on in life, I would submit to you this. This will be the thing that helps you to move uh, in in a way of integrity, but it's finding that thing early on. So in chapter two, I've talked so much already, very passionate about this subject. Chapter two, the summoned self, and I'm back in the road to character. This is just such a great book. This is our last podcast before we go on spring break here. And so I I just want you to get, you know, I I want you, you know, I want to give you something to think about. Um, This chapter is just a really good chapter. It's filled with a lot of, it it takes us through the life of this woman here that we talk about, Frances Perkins. And I don't have time to go into her story. You can read it. It's in chapter two. Uh, You can read all about it. What I read here though, uh, it talks about her, her rigorous childhood. And then there's, uh, there's a sentence here, uh, here on page 31, uh, where it says that Perkins knew she wanted some sort of heroic life, but she struggled after graduation to find a specific role. She was too inexperienced to be a social worker. The agencies would not hire her. Uh, she tried teaching at an upscale school for, uh, school for girls in Lake Forest, Illinois, but it was uninspiring. Eventually, she commuted into Chicago and became involved with the whole house and the whole house there's a whole thing you can read about it. um I'm not gonna go into all of that, but she wanted to live a big life. that's what I would call it She wanted to live a heroic life. she wanted to live a big life, and here's what I would submit to most of us. I think everybody wants to live their version of what a big life is your version of a big life is going to be different than my version but everyone i t- i rarely talk to anyone especially in our graduate programs I, you know i have a chance uh now to listen and to interview students who come in our mba students our maol students every single person i talk to i don't care where they're at in their career whether they're starting over or they're they're coming in brand new after after getting a you know their bachelor's degree. Everybody has some sort of a vision of a big life, a heroic life, something good that they will do with their life. Nobody sets out to have a midlife crisis, right? Everybody wants to have that. And so I think when Frances Perkins talks about it, I think uh, what she is saying and what the author is talking about, it's the same thing that most all of us want in life. We want some, some kind of a heroic life. We, we, we you know, we want to know that the work that we did matters, whether it's with a company or a family or a community, an organization, a co- you know, you know, whatever it may be. We want to make sure that our life matters in some way. So then it comes on page 39 where it talks about this idea of duty. Okay. And so I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read some sentences. I I want to get to the very end because I think that's, and all of this is going to set us up in this class, what we talk about, um, or what you will do kind of your final project that you'll be working towards is really developing your list of principles. What are those rules for life that you will, that you will put together that will, uh, that will keep you for the rest of your time here on Planet Earth, rules that you do not break. More more than likely, every single one of you has rules for life. You have certain things that you will or won't do, but most of you haven't codified those rules, right? You haven't written those down. Uh, and so you just you're a decent person, you're a good person, but sometimes you don't even know why. I want you to know why, right? That's why in these three-unit classes, the, the PV, PVM is so important, the principles, values and although that leads to the purpose vision mission right you live uh, the mission and we're talking about this in my service class right now the mission is uh that's the day-to-day work that we do of serving the people around us of serving the marketplace that's that's the work but all of that comes back to the principles right the principles determine all the way down to our mission it determines how we go about Uh, serving the marketplace. And that's what this is all about from a leadership perspective. It's all about serving the marketplace well. So what we're talking about in this class, all the way back to principles, it starts with the rules that we say, no matter what career I go into, no matter what organization, no matter what company I go into, these are the rules that I will not break. Okay, These are the rules that I will live my life by. And these rules will determine the future success that I have in life. Outside of any kind of catastrophe or whatever, or things happening that are out of your control, uh, if you're able to live by these rules, they're 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 such great rules. They're such great mental models, ways of thinking that they determine your mission, which is how you get the job done, which will determine your value to the marketplace. So all of this matters. Okay. So he talks about this idea of duty, and I just want to read just a couple of things for you here. Um, New York. New York's governor, Al Smith, was Perkins. That goes back to Francis Perkins, who we're talking about here in chapter two. And if you want to know more about her, she is a phenomenal woman. If you want to know more about her, go to this chapter, read more about her in this book. Al Smith was Perkins' first and greatest p- political love. He was loyal, approachable, voluble, and a man with the common touch. Smith also gave Perkins her first big break in government. Okay? Okay. Okay, so we'll just keep moving forward here. Um, it talks about when I believe she went to work for Roosevelt. Um, Perkins was one of only two aides to stay with Roosevelt for his entire term as president. She became one of the tireless champions of the New Deal. If you've done history, you, you know about the New Deal. I don't have to talk you through that. She was cent- central to the creation of the Social Security Administration. What a, She set out to live a heroic life I think we can all agree she lived a heroic life. She was a major force behind many of the New Deal jobs programs, such as the Civilian Conservation Corps, the Federal Works Agency, and the Public Works Administration. Through the Fair Labor's uh the Fair Labor Standards Act, she established the nation's first minimum wage law and its first over time law, she sponsored federal legislation on child labor and unemployment insurance during World War II. She resisted calls to draft women, sensing that women would benefit more over the long run if they could take the jobs that were being that were being abandoned by drafted men. So this is someone who has really and there's so much more that you can read about her. OK, uh, there's so many things that happened. she did not live an easy life. And page after page talks about this. Um how her life was not an easy life again, a heroic life uh was not an easy one. it goes on here page forty five it says this: Perkins did not really experience private joy until the end of her life in nineteen fifty seven a young labor economist asked asked her to teach a course at Cornell University. The job paid ten thousand dollars a year, scarcely more than she had earned. Uh, decades before as the New York Industrial Commissioner, but she needed the money to pay for her daughter's mental health care. Um, now again, you know what this what this statement says for her. she's in her later years of life, she's given so much to, to developing things that are still impacting millions of people today. And she gets to the end of her life, and she doesn't have some major uh, savings account. She doesn't have major investments to live off of. She doesn't have a four hundred one k that she's invested in, and now it's it's giving her a return on her on her investment. She's not sitting on major corporate boards that are paying her two hundred fifty three hundred thousand dollars a year, right? She has she has really served. Uh, she has served the work. She has served the world around her. She served her community. Now, I'm not recommending that everybody do this. Okay. But this is what a big life was for her. And she paid the price for that big life. Okay. Talked about where she lived. She didn't like airplanes and traveled alone by bus. Sometimes having to make four or five connections to get to a funeral or a lecture. Um, She tried uh, to destroy some of her papers to foil future biographers. She traveled with a copy of her will in her handbag so that if she died, she wouldn't cause any problem. And she ended up, she actually died alone in a hospital on May 14th at the age of 85. Now, see, some of us read this and we think, what a sad, miserable life. I don't want that. I don't want to be 85, dying you know, alone, taking buses to get the lectures and having a scrimp save and money. Uh, uh, the point of this book, though, is it's looking back on a time of what true heroism is, what people who really developed character, what that meant. You know, today we live in a world where people want it instantly. Post something on Instagram, post something on Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is, and get the instant likes. Today we respect and value in our, and again, I'm not against this. I I love to watch sports. I'm not necessarily a sports guy, but I like to watch sports. I love entertainment, I love concerts. I'm gonna go see Def Leppard and Journey. They're gonna be at the stadium, Petco Park, this summer, I'm very excited about that. Uh, So so I'm not going against all these things. I'm just saying we live in a society where we really revere people that maybe should not be as revered as much as they are. And so this book is just bringing us back to people who lived lives that really built character. And that's what I want for every single, that's what I want for myself, That's what I want for you, that at the end of your life you get to and you don't have to be broke. You don't have to, you know, die alone in a hospital like Frances Perkins. I mean, she went, wow, she really gave her whole self to everything. I'm not asking you to do that. But what I am thinking and what I am considering and asking you to consider is can you give your life to a cause so great that it forces you to live in integrity? So you don't have to get up every day and think about it and wonder about it. So, you know, again, and I've said this before, some of the greatest people I know are not Christian people. They're not religious people at all. You know, and and that was that was crazy for me. I remember years ago I was at um, uh, I used to live up in the Riverside in Riverside County. In that area, and I went through a point where I didn't want to go to church anymore. I was kind of disenfranchised with the church. So what I would do is I'd drive all the way over. I would take the 60 and I'd drive all the way over into Los Angeles, and and this was for about six to eight months. It wasn't a long time. It was almost a year, uh, but about six to eight months. Every Sunday I would do this, and I would drive over to the Union Rescue Mission. And and I would serve food on Sunday mornings to the homeless people and they would come in in three different waves. And sometimes I'd stick around and serve, serve lunch as well. If I had none, if I had nothing else to do with my time or no homework to do or something like that, I would stay and serve breakfast and lunch. And I remember one time there was this. It was like three young ladies who, who came in and, and we had, you know, different volunteers that came in. I tended to be one who was during that period. I was there all the time, but there was this group that came in. And so I just went over and introduced myself and, and I'm wondering why is this young group of girls, why are they, um, why are they giving up uh, their time on a Sunday morning to be here at the union rescue mission to volunteer? Now at the time, again, I thought that only it is strange that i would think this but i was very new kind of the you know to to southern california still a little bit naive in my ways i you know you know this was probably 15 you know i was probably in my late 20s when this happened so it's almost 20 years ago and uh and i remember thinking and i i went over and introduced myself to them and i I'm wondering why they're giving up a Sunday, and I said, "Are you part?" And this is what I said to him. I said, "Are you, are you part of a church?" And I said, "Oh, no, 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 no." I said, "Oh, cool. Like, is this a school project? You know that you no, 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 no." And then we started talking more, and I found out that they were agnostics. Right? They weren't atheists, but they, you know, but they were agnostics. They were just like, we don't know, but they just, but they knew in themselves that that giving of themselves and serving the poor, serving the less fortunate was something that they needed to do. I was blown away. I remember that drive I made back to to the Riverside area. I was living in Corona at the time, back to Corona. And I'm thinking, how in the world do people who aren't Christians do good things? That, that you know, that didn't resonate with me. I didn't get it. Later on, I ended up working for the Salvation Army, actually. And I worked my, my best guy friend there at work was a guy by the name of John. And, you know, I was... Uber Christian at that time. Right. I mean, I, I consider myself a Christian now, but at that time I was like, oh, I got to go out and save the world. That was, you know, everything was about saving the world. He was an atheist. He was an agnostic. He was atheist. There is no God. He And we both worked for the Salvation Army that led to many conversations. We'd get together and we'd have our, our, our drink of choice and, you know, smoke a few cigars or something, you know, whatever we do. Right. We'd get together and we'd talk about these things. And this is a person who was an atheist. And I remember one Christmas Eve, they put out a call. They needed some help. There were some families that needed help that and I even said no to that. I said, I, I'm not giving up my Christmas Eve to go do this. This guy gave up his Christmas Eve to go like load up these semis and take this food and take this stuff to these group of families. What, I mean, it was just a, and so I learned quickly that that being a, you know, being a good person. Being a person who adds value to you know to society, it doesn't mean you have to be a religious person. I don't know how I got off on that. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that everything we're talking about here, it doesn't it it's not a Christian thing. And I know that we're Point Loma Nazarene University, but this isn't. It's about being the kind of person who, whether you're agnostic, whether you're atheist, whether you are a, a Christian, you know, whether you're faith based of some sort that we live a life that, that pushes us towards integrity and 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 pushes us towards doing something great with our lives. It has nothing to do with being a faith-based person. I digress. So let's get to the end of Perkins' life here, and here's the reason why we're reading this today. Again, thanks for sticking with me on the podcast. I'm, I'm really passionate about this one. Perkins, so here we go, I'm on page 46. Perkins didn't so much choose her life, And I think that's kind of what I was talking about is what we value in our heroes today. And this book takes us all the way back to character, building a life, right? And it doesn't mean you have to be a Christian. way. It's just building a life of character that takes years and decades of making choices that say, it's not about me, it's about other people. Perkins didn't so much choose her life, she responded to the call of a felt necessity, A person who embraces a calling doesn't take a a direct route to self-fulfillment. She's willing to surrender the things that are most dear. And by seeking to forget herself and submerge herself, she finds a purpose that defines and fulfills herself. Such vocations almost always involve tasks that transcend a lifetime. They almost always involve throwing yourself into a historical process. They involve compensating for the brevity of life by finding, watch this, finding membership in a historic commitment. That's the line right there, finding membership in a historic commitment. It's, it's, it's if I could sum all that up, it's giving your life to something that's greater than yourselves. And I made a note over here uh, where I wrote duty. Duty takes away all self-centeredness. We are not thinking of ourselves. Instead, we are responding to a call. And so the question I want you to consider is simply this. How does living a life of duty help one, help you, okay? How will it help you to consistently live in integrity? Again, our definition of integrity is not you're a good person, okay? It just means that you are who you are. So, how will giving your life to something bigger than what—and it could be a job, it could be a—it uh, could be an organization, right? I've been doing this long enough here at Point Loma. It's very cool when we hear people who like trade up their entire careers because they get in this program right here, whether it's a the the leadership program or the business program, and they get here and they get around people and some of our great professors, and something clicks in them and they say, "Hey, the path I'm on is not the path I'm supposed to be on. I need to switch up gears." And I've seen this happen two or three times where people have made major life choices because they went from saying, I, it's not about me anymore. It's got to be about something bigger. And, and that doesn't mean that you choose, well, I'm going to be nonprofit. That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't mean you have to live like Francis Perkins and die alone. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there's something about this idea of giving our life over to, to something greater than ourselves an organization, a call, uh, a mission, an organ, you know. I think you can find great mission in private equity. You know, we have a lot of people who come to our programs who kind of work in private equity, you know, equity and capital. Um, You know, they're doing big things. They're raising lots of money and they're, you know, they're developing, you know, they're developing great businesses and uh, doing all that work out there in the markets and economy, all that kind of stuff. I think even that can be a great call. Right, so it's not about trying to make you go one direction or another. It's just, can you give yourself a a a a big life? Can you pursue something that's bigger than what you possibly imagine? And then, how will that, okay, help you live a life of integrity? Hey, I look forward to your responses. Thanks so much for all your work, everybody. I know I'm not commenting on your work, but I want you to know I'm reading him and I am. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I am impressed, and I'm humbled, and I'm learning things by reading through your responses and some of you are given a lot of time and effort to this greatly appreciate it it's going to help you it doesn't do anything for me but it helps you down the road hey thanks so much for uh listening today i know we're a little bit longer but i'm very passionate about this you have two weeks of no podcast for me now the week when we come back from spring break we we will have something that we have to get done but it won't be anything it won't be a podcast so you get two weeks off from me so enjoy it because when we come back um uh, I'll see you again here in a couple weeks for our next episode. I look forward to your responses. Take care, everybody. Enjoy this week and have a great spring break next week. And I'll see you after spring break. Take care.